Welcome to the May 1st post-draft edition of the PFF Forecast. This is going to be a treat because usually we rock right after the draft is over. Thursday night, Friday morning, we're delirious. This time, we've saved it all up for the Sunday podcast. So we're going to talk about our bets, the bet recap um, with the mayor of Antigua himself. We're going to talk a little bit about our favorite picks. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the quarterbacks, what we make of what wasn't in terms of quarterbacks being drafted. Our three favorite drafts overall, maybe a couple that we don't like, and then bets that we're making off the back end of the draft in particular, some offensive and defensive rookie of the year. Let's rock. Alrighty, um, let me. So I, uh, I'm fresh off a of red eye uh, last night on my way back. Guess who was on my flight with me? Oh God! Uh, so, so back here, mm -hmm. Cincinnati it, legend, of course. Nope. Hint. This is a good hint for you. It was surprising in that they were a really famous person, a football player who does not live in Cincinnati. Does not have a Cincinnati connection. Was taking no, not even a Cincinnati connection. Was taking a red eye back to Cincinnati, but that was not their final oh. destination. So it's kind of weird. Okay, but it's gotta be a city that's kind of off the beaten path. If you're connecting mm. through Cincy. It was weird, it was strange, because the, the, the city they live in is a hub for Delta Airlines. That's a good hint for you. Which is Minneapolis? No, New York? No, closer. Philadelphia. First, Pittsburgh. the sound of the first uh, uh, no, our previous team, Falcons. Okay, okay. Right. Falcons legend. Who was the Falcons legend that was on my flight? On the team or not on the team? No longer on the team. Julio Jones. No. Roddy White. Bigger legend. Matt Ryan. Bigger legend. Who's the biggest Falcons legend in the past twenty years? Deion Sanders. Okay, maybe not the biggest <laughs> one. Oh. Uh, Michael Vick. Michael Vick. Wow. Michael Vick. Fresh off of running like a 4-7 or yeah. something. My, and throwing the ball out of the end, uh, end zone. So I'm walking through the Vegas airport, and Michael Vick is just literally right next to me. And the craziest thing about Michael Vick is he's not that big of a guy. He's he's just really not. I mean, he's like six foot tall, maybe yeah. six one, like, um, and tons of people were coming up to everyone recognized him, and everyone on the plane wanted to take a picture of him. And the craziest thing is he was just taking a red eye. And he was first class, obviously, but just taking a red eye back to Cincinnati, and he had to connect to Atlanta. So we get off the plane, it's, you know, five in the morning, everyone's delirious, and he just has to go take a seat. I think he was there with his mom, um, just has to go take a seat, uh, kind of waiting at the gate for when their Atlanta flight comes. And it was, I was like, man, he's kind of a regular dude. Like, I'm sure he could figure out a way to get, you know, mm -hmm. a better flight here or whatever. But um, yeah, so me and Michael Vick traveled back. Oh. Um, I guess my takeaway was maybe he just didn't win as many bets as he needed to on the draft. <laughs> Look, uh, we were all, I mean, I, we had a good He we, didn't have Quay Walker. Yeah, we had a good week. Um, 
but we it could have been so much better, right? Like I, yeah, there I were sort, a couple big big misses, I, right? So yeah, so let's let's go over a couple of the wins here that we had. Um, we had, you know, everything Quay Walker. I mean, Quay Walker going first linebacker was so nice. Was massive. Um, you know, it was twenty five to one. We got it at twenty to one, fifteen to one, ten to one. It closed at plus one seventy five. Um, I actually, I'm sorry, one of my best friends asked me what was the, my favorite bet, and I said Quay Walker second linebacker, which was like plus one seventy five for second. And then he took it off the board, right? And so that one lost actually. Um, Evan Neal over three and a half was good. Kyle Hamilton over six and a half was good. Those were like long gone by the mm-hmm. time the draft started. Um, the Stingley steam, so any Stingley top five, you know, exact at three, yep. um, but even like under 12 and a half early in the process was great. Um, the interesting one was Tuesday, or sorry, Friday. Um, as So uh, you don't know any of this, but so I, I wake up Friday. Uh-oh. The, the, we get done with the draft at like midnight, right? Mm-hmm. I stay here hanging out. All the, like... We're hanging out. You slept out. here, didn't you? I didn't actually. Oh, so like we like because we didn't weakness. We didn't go anywhere. So like we were all just hanging out, like letting you know, uh, yeah. catching up or whatever. I go home. I get back probably at two, falsely be like two fifteen. I wake up at seven thirty, which I'm just like, you know, I didn't set an alarm or anything. Mm-hmm. I had a meeting at ten, and I get a text from somebody who's like Logan Hall's the pick at thirty three, and so I look at Fanduel. It's plus two seventy five. Mm-hmm. Uh, his over under is like thirty eight and a half. So I, none of the offshores are offering it. So I get into my car, Uh drive over. um, (laughs) You'll actually appreciate it. I drive over. By the time I get there, I get my my money out of the, so I I had like, you know, $1,700 or whatever in tickets Mm -hmm. to to, to, to get out. Plus I had all the the apps. I get down on under 35 and a half Logan Hall and it ended up being plus 125 by the time I got into Indiana for him to be the 33rd pick. All that, you know, all that's great and everything. But I got a meeting with with my team. I run R and D here, so then oh, I, I oh, take yeah. the meeting from the coffee shop shop in the casino, which is uh, having at the time no way because the, of the best. Pan- how good was this coffee? By the, the way, the pandemic. By the way, so since the pandemic, they have not opened up the buffet at the casino, okay. and so they had like this makeshift like breakfast buffet for people staying in the oh, in the no. hotel attack, attached to the casino, just sitting right there. So I'm having this meeting with you know Timo, Ben, all those guys, right. and. I'm like I'm like munching on some bacon or something while while I'm like collecting, and oh, then no. I get back, and some of these offshore still had like Logan Hall at like minus two hundred to be pick thirty three. Oh. I laid the price; it closed at six minus six hundred. Uh, that was a big win. John Mechie under fifty six and a half. James Cook under sixty nine and a half. Those were all good ones. The one that killed me though, the one that well, we had we uh, I got a little Brees Hall. Okay, under, that was nice. That was exactly it was a nice yeah. piece. That was one of the only ones that I was able to get in. So what really sucks is that it was. This is so ironic. It's impossible to bet on things in Vegas. <laughs> you have to go to a sports book. You, you have to you know sign fifty five different sheets. It's a complete disaster. So I land there. It's a, I have meetings all day. It's impossible to actually get to a sports book, or I would have had so many more bets down. Luckily, I got a couple Quay Walker um, offshore. And what was interesting was I didn't feel like people out there, you know, obviously some of the, you know, um, people that are, that are actually working on these numbers and trading things, but people that were, that worked, you know, in and around the sports betting industry were not aware about the Quay Walker, uh, landslide. It it was, and I think, you know, the, the most, um, you know, the biggest thing here is oftentimes, um, you know, these sports books lose money on the draft. 
right? Like they they just absolutely get crushed. Some of the, I believe, I can't remember if it was Superbook or one or like win or something in Vegas, didn't even like post their lines. But the Quay Walker thing happened, you know, like we found out about the information on Thursday. Friday morning is when I made the first bet because it dropped to 175. It saved 175 top 32 all weekend. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, and, and you know, Monday I was talking to Drew Dinsick, our friend uh, with the Deep Dive Pod, and he said, well, Monday most of the Quay Walker money came in because that's when all the markets opened up and you could have liquidity. Like Circa allowed you to bet, have a limit size bet of $1,000 on any over under. Now they didn't have Quay Walker on their list, but um, so, so yeah, like, you know, if you go to like an offshore sports book, you know, if you, I got Quay Walker, you know, 30 and a half, they only let you bet $200 on mm-hmm. it, you know, some of these. So that that is sort of, I think, where a lot of the, you know, sort of it didn't move until, you know, sharp bettors started putting actual money on it. But then by the time, you know, it was Wednesday. It was minus six hundred. Uh, you know, to go in the top thirty-two, and and I think that that ultimately, um, you know, is where it stood. Um, what was what was the because so my obviously the Desmond Ritter forty to one didn't hit. Now it was closer than <laughs> it was close, right? I mean, it was second quarterback taken. We had no quarterbacks taken for an eternity, and everyone wanted to talk about it. My bet that I was so sure was going to hit and we talked about this on the sunday podcast last week uh and on actually on the wednesday podcast right before the draft i don't know why but i was so certain that drake london was going to slide and of course and of course of course our falcons go take him so you can basically kiss drake london's future goodbye because that's that's, he's gonna have marcus Mariota throwing him bounce passes a better chance playing for the hawks Drake London might be a better player if he goes and plays for the Hawks. The, uh, the interesting thing is I had like limit size bets on over for Willis and over for Pickin, or for Pickett, and they both hit. The thing that I'm really pissed off at myself about was day two not going over on the quarterbacks. Like I thought, mm-hmm. like I had one really small bet on Seahawks with Willis. I know our friend Kendall Valenzuela was really pissed off that they went with Kenneth Walker instead. Um, but... The, the fact is, is there, like Kevin Cole tweeted out, there's only been like one, it's been like an average of like 1.1 quarterbacks taken in the second round for like the last like decade. Mm-hmm. And like, we just overlooked that because, you know. Because last year. And, and, and so, but if you went over on every single quarterback, you would have hit every single bet. So that was interesting. Ones we, another one we lost, I, I lost, the one that cost me, this cost me about like 1,200 bucks, which was Malik Willis, first quarterback taken. Uh, when, when they went with Pickett on the show, my heart sank. Because we had yet to see the Quay Walker one go. Right. And uh, there was a few other ones. Uh, We talked about uh, Linderbaum. Now, we didn't know the Ravens would trade and get back into round one. Um, But Linderbaum, you know, was was falling, but he didn't fall out of round one. Under seven and a half offensive linemen. I think we have Cole Strange and the New England Patriots to thank for that one. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I mean, what was that? That was insane. Yeah. Um, And and wide receiver, look, this is why it's always good to get the best of the number. Thing open at five and a half. People are betting it over. And then you get Traylon Burks taken at 18 with wide receiver six. The market closes at six and a half. You're feeling pretty good about one more wide receiver. No wide receivers the rest of the draft. If you bet over six and a half, you got taken there. Uh, quarterback as well. Some of those sports books, I remember it was either Caesars or DraftKings were offering you a, an odds boost for over three and a half quarterbacks. And that thing didn't even get over one and a half quarterbacks, which is very uh, interesting. A plus price, uh, plus price pop if you took o- under two and a half quarterbacks because three was sort of the favorite. Um, 
sort of interesting there. The Jameson Williams five to one to be first receiver taken was a bummer. Um, yes, and I am. He ended up being wide receiver four. I'm surprised. Aren't you? Were you surprised by that? This that is, was one of the bigger surprises for me. I actually, I was in Wart Moneyball. And I said this. I said like these drafts are a look into the team's souls. And I got a little bit of a rebuttal. Like, oh, are you really able to ascertain that much? With the Saints, you are. The Saints like the Saints were linked to Chris Olave the whole time. They were linked to Trevor Penning the mm-hmm. entire time. Mm-hmm. And they had to go up and trade up to get Olave ahead of Jamison. They felt that they had to, right? Which was very interesting. The Vikings immediately go and pick, turn pick 12 into the Lions. And the Lions take Jamison Williams. Um, but, but that's like the saints felt that they had to do that. Right. Like that's, that's like sort of who they are fundamentally as a team it is a team that believes they have to go up and get their guys. They end up getting Olave, they end up getting Penning, but they probably paid too much for them. Right. And then, um, I, I thought an interesting one, a guy that I really like, but maybe this is a little bit of an overdraft, the commanders taking Jahan Dotson at 16. Yeah, that was probably 13 and a half yeah well i know it was it was 13 picks before you wanted him to go yeah Yeah, by the way if you are looking to get more information about the nfl draft and perhaps uh get yourself ready for next season with all the great fantasy tools and betting tools that we have go to pff.com right now use promo code forecast f-o-r-e-c-a-s-t and that will give you 25 percent off on any pff subscription so go make it happen get yourself set up for uh the next calendar year it'll give you all the draft stuff obviously for next year as well also eric is such a big degenerate that he's currently watching the usfl on his phone it's there jeff Fisher. Uh, really incredible what bet do you have right now in the usfl uh i have a little under 39 and a half a little under 38 and two bets that will not win i have the pittsburgh maulers like plus two and a half and two plus okay. 125 so i mean the maulers are down 60 nothing uh, Kirby Wilson, the former the former running backs coach for the Minnesota Vikings, I, I I have to face facts. The USFL is too big for him. Yes. <laughs> uh, maybe we find maybe we find like a rec league. By the way, speaking of degeneracy, you know it starts on Friday. What starts on Friday? The WNBA. See, I, I, I knew this. <laughs> now, okay, so my NBA bets. I have a, an apology to make. To, um, to our to our syndicate, okay? Because I should have called this out. The Bucks against the Celtics. The the Nets stink. The Nets are a nightmare, okay? And we should not have been bamboozled by the Celtics destroying the Nets. And we should have known that there was no one that was going to be able to guard Giannis and that if they were going to try and guard Giannis, he was going to kick it out to three-point shooters. I feel like an idiot for not identifying it. And you know why I couldn't bet the Bucks today? Because I, in the back of my head, I heard, did too. heard you going, too. oh, but Chris Middleton's uh, that, that's, out. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out it doesn't matter. Yeah. Turns well, out I think it'll matter. matter eventually. But yeah, it, it, like the, the hard part for me is the Nets have to be wretched in order for the Celtics to put on the defensive clinic that yes. they put on for four games. But, and but then just Kyrie get out. And, and Kevin Durant were playing 42 minutes a game for the last, you right. know, trying to squeak them in. Right. And didn't have a chance. I also could not bring myself to bet on Memphis, even though I thought Memphis at home as an underdog was a good move. I kind of just need to see the series. I feel like a donkey though, because that was the right play. Anyways, um, let's talk a little bit about the quarterbacks here. So we did a mock draft and (laughs) I don't think I ever got one more wrong. Now, in fairness, I think the Derek Stingley uh, pick 
has been vindicated. Yeah. Um, but the it's interesting. So I took Malik Willis at two. I was between him and Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, both of them would have been in overdraft as Aiden Hutchinson ended up going number two. But Malik Willis goes hours and hours and hours, a day later. A day, yeah. To the Tennessee Titans, not even the first or second quarterback taken. And you see these teams, you know, the Falcons ended up taking Desmond Ritter. Um, obviously, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers were able to wait all the way until pick 20 and then took uh, Kenny Pickett. The Washington Commanders waited so long on Sam Howell that he may have actually get, get another Howell, year of way, eligibility. <laughs> Sam Howell, by the way, went in the first round of Chris's draft. You know, when I we mm-hmm. did his show yeah. on Wednesday. Sam Howell, if you didn't adjust for big board rank, was the best quarterback on our board. And he went fifth round. What what do you what do you make of this? Like what because I, I was trying to think about it this way. Let me ask you this question. Get in the head of the NFL GM. Like why why were they taken so late? I think it's two reasons. One reason is it's like a self-fulfilling thing. If if you're looking and you see the Vikings passed on them, right? Then you see the Lions passed on them. Yeah. Then you see the the Steelers passed on them. Then you see the Titans passed on them. And then you once. And then you see you're like, well, is there something wrong with him? That I think these teams, especially ones without great processes, don't trust their processes a little bit. Like they let the league influence hmm. sort of what they're doing too much. And I think the second one, and I think this is, we've been talking about this for years. Like I've bemoaned the losses of the Tony Romos and the Jake DeLomes and the mm-hmm. Kurt Warners and the Aaron Brooks's and the Matt Hasselbeck's. The, you know, the thing is like the, the league, the, there's no room in the league for developmental quarterbacks, right? right. There isn't like, I, I sort of think about, and it's really funny because like you get these tweets from some people who are like, oh, you know, you, you know, the, these are people you got to treat. And it's like 20 years ago, the league used to shuffle back and forth between quarterbacks all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But now we have free agency. Now we have how, how well they're paid and all this kind of stuff. They're management now, right? Quarterbacks are management right. and there isn't an allowance for a multiple quarterback system. Let's think about the, just think about like the, the, sore thumb that is like sort of Jordan love, like what the Packers are going to do with him, what that draft pick looks like. And I think that was some, somewhat of a forward thinking draft pick, um, you know, maybe not necessarily trading up for him or the quarterback that he, that they traded up for, but he's, he's like the quarterback of the future. And ultimately like quarterbacks play longer now. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. Yep. And the quarterback rookie contract after pick 10. So the, the league has done this interesting thing where, most rookie, you know, in the top 10, rookies are paid a lot less than they were adjusted for inflation than they were mm-hmm. back in the pre-CBA days. But after that, like I, I always say Aaron Rodgers, when he was picked 24th by Green Bay, his contract was five years, seven million. So you got five years of, con- of team control for 1.4 million a year. And right. so then you, you had like all these levers. Jordan Love's contract is nowhere close, is higher than that raw but also the fifth year option is expensive right Mm -hmm. and you have to you have to decide whether or not you're exercising it by year three so after pick 10 or so like you know you actually i mean the the rookie quarterback is maybe not a good gamble especially in a league where once i mean i think about like remember when jay cutler was the quarterback of the broncos and josh mcdaniel like flirted a little bit with trading with matt castle and and cutler's like i'm out and they don't even get matt castle by the way but he's like i'm out you're even talking to another player 
Same with Matt Ryan, right? The Falcons even think about Deshaun Watson. He's yep. already in Indianapolis. Yep. So I don't think like there is a spot for like, oh, you know, we you know, we like you a lot, but we're gonna we're gonna put this guy in place. And it sort of speaks to how many actual quarterback positions are open in the NFL and the opportunity cost, which right now is like a choice of Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think all those things influence, but, but for the most part, it's, there is no such thing as a developmental quarterback in the NFL anymore. The guy's either drafted to be your franchise guy, or he's an afterthought like Sam yeah. Howell. The thing that I could not get over was how these this group of quarterbacks were drafted so far behind the second tier of quarterbacks last year from last year. Yeah. That was the thing that I couldn't figure out. And, you know, I think there are a couple of factors. The first is that if you're going to make an investment at quarterback early-ish this year, it makes it harder for you to get out from them if they play decently next year. And I think... There's a, the simple fact is that NFL GMs don't want to have to make those tough decisions. Yeah. And they don't think years <laughs> into know? the future. The majority, you, uh, we'll talk about these teams that we really liked this week. But the team, the good, the teams that drafted really well this week, the, the Ravens, the Bills, Chiefs, Packers, what do they all have in common? They have security. They have general managers who are good and are going to be there for a while. Every other GM, I mean, Joe Douglas is like trading up for Jermaine Johnson and then Brees Hall because if they don't perform this year they're screwed. Oh, we're going to talk about the Jets. Yeah. I like, have some thoughts on the Jets. So so I, I would also say that like a developmental quarterback requires a plan that lasts longer than like 2 years yeah. whereas trading for Russell Wilson, trading for Matt Ryan and like Ballard's fine, but like, you know, uh those kind of Marcus Mariota, those those guys, those are like get get on the green this year type of type of picks. Yes. Now, what I do think is interesting is that we should, like, I look at what the commanders did, and this is by luck, I think, to a certain degree, but the Sam Howell pick for the commanders, I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but that's the best pick in this draft. The right? same way that Jalen Hurts was the like, best pick of the 2020 yeah, draft, like other than Malik, Burrow and Herbert. But like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but there was no, there's no quarterback here at the top of this draft nope. that's going to be you know bet so and then i think the second one is malik willis there for the titans and it's interesting because i want to talk about the titans draft and the commander's drafts because they're because those picks th those matter more quarterback picks matter more and I, two takeaways from this draft one was there are some teams that don't realize it but that could have made franchise altering picks you know, in, in, the, in the deep rounds of these quarterbacks, which is ridiculous. But secondarily, that there were no quarterbacks worth trading up for. And yet, and yet, Eric, teams traded up time and time again. There were, what, 18? No, how many trades was it? No, there were 18 picks that changed hands at some point. And then there were, what, like 10 trades in the first round? Mm -hmm. Something like that? All these teams trading up and uh, trading up in a weak draft class for a non-quarterback, not not I. I, I could not do it. I absolutely well, could and, not and do it. And there was also, I mean, like, do we, like, look, like, what do you think? Of, here's a good question. I think of where your, I think, I guess, where your mind's at. What did you think of the A.J. Brown trade? Because I think everybody believes Let's, Baltimore absolutely took 
Arizona to the wood uh, behind yes. the woodshed for the uh, Marquis the Brown Hollywood trade. Brown that, trade. that I one mean, was absolutely egregious. I, but that was it was oh my god. I so let's wait. Let's save that for the best yeah. and worst drafts because I but want what, to destroy it. But what do you think about eight pick eighteen for AJ Brown and a contract that is basically after you add in the the rookie year deal twenty one million a year? I will address that in my best and okay. worst drafts. Because I've been waiting to talk okay. about it. Here's the Let's, one thing I want to talk about after the quarterback discussion here, which yep. is Jermaine Johnson. Because we we didn't like him very much. I did not have a good eval on him. I mean, I don't watch a ton of film, but I have a you know I do. All of our guys watch film and give us data, and then we, we crunch the numbers yep. and do the projections and stuff. Jermaine Johnson was a he's a grandfather, senior bowl star, which I think like some of the sharp people I talk to in the league are like, you know, the senior bowl is overrated. The senior bowl is mostly noise and like. Yeah. Also lives in a senior living facility. Yeah. <laughs> and he only had the one good year. He only had the one good year as a 22-year-old, um, et cetera, et cetera. And yet everybody's saying that it was a it was a steal for the Jets to go back into the 20s and get him. A, you're trading up, so you're paying mm -hmm. something for that. B, all the steam about Jermaine Johnson was from two teams. It was the Jets at four, the Jets at 10, and the Seahawks at nine. Yep. Is, there's a universe, and there's the heterogeneity of draft boards, which I think we found we saw explicitly with the Patriots, for mm -hmm. example, this week. How, Jermaine Johnson could have just been, you know, draft position nine and a half in the in the betting markets solely because of the Jets and Seahawks' opinion of him. If the other thirty teams don't believe in him, then this isn't a steal, and there really isn't anything. If Kevin Cole said this well on his podcast, the unexpected points, like there's no such thing as a steal, right? Because ultimately. The market, the market chooses the guy's position. There's a yes. thing as a reach. Like it takes yeah. one team to make a bad eval. If if all 31 teams pass on a guy, the chances of that being a, a collectively bad eval is pretty pretty low, right? Yes, and I can't believe uh, this is going to rub some people the wrong way. the The Jets had a below average draft. If yeah. I let me ask you this, do you give someone? How much credit do you give someone if they are handed a million dollars and then invest the million dollars in making president Apple and Amazon? I, it's uh, sorry. Um, well, yeah, I, I think that that's why everything in this world has to be adjusted for expectation. Now, I think like, yes, they took, I think, you know, two players that were valued appropriately mm -hmm. now. Would I have taken Jameson Williams over Garrett Wilson? Sure. Um, could yeah, you have made Could you made an argument for Sauce Kayvon? Gardner was a good pick, but you but could, could have made you, an you could have made an argument for for Thibodeau. But you're not going to argue with those two picks. The problem is you're also not going to give them a bunch of credit for making the, just because they didn't pick Cleveland Farrell at four. Yeah, doesn't mean you get a a trophy. But when you trade back in for a player uh, like a Jermaine Johnson, right, and you know, where there's, to your point, a lot of things around him analytically that don't make a ton of sense. But then you, you're the Jets. You suck. Mm -hmm. You are terrible. You, you used a premium pick on a running back. And I don't want to be when this you guy. You used a high pick on a running back last year. I don't want to be this guy. But are you fucking kidding me? That was the problem with your team? Your team sucks ass. Yeah. Like, take Malik Willis. Take another quarterback, because guess what? Zach, Zach Wilson was garbage last year. Like, you took Brees Hall in the top of the second round as one of the worst 
teams. You need everything. You literally need every position. Like, well, like the players that were still available to them. Ibikite was still there. Petre was still there. Boyamafe was, was still there. Um, Andrew Booth was still Tyler there. Tyler Gordon. Uh, Mechi was still there. Ojabo was still there. Like, there were so many players that could actually provide you value. Pickens was still there. Yeah. Take another wide receiver. You took a running... Arguably, the strongest part of your team is the running backs, which is a joke in part because your team sucks so badly, but also your running backs aren't bad. Like, ah, I can't believe I'm getting yeah. so pissed off. But It's but interesting because like... I just believe that the Jets draft, when you adjust for the draft capital they had, was a below average draft. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, Benjamin Robinson does this great thing called draft capital over expected using the grinding the mocks data. And like ultimately the Jets were actually a little bit above average, like a little bit above zero in that. But mm -hmm. the issue is, is like, I don't know if this does a whole thing where he they use the trades that were required to go up and get the players because the right. two trades that were required to go and get Jermaine Johnson and Brees and Jermaine Johnson's fine. He's a defensive end. They need edge players yeah. on that team. They, they're also going to have, uh, you know, Carl Lawson back on the squad. Um, this year after an AC or a broken leg ACL type of thing last year. So that, that, that works. It's fine. Right. But, um, but the Brees Hall thing, but like, I don't, they didn't do that well. Like to me, you can hack this system. And again, Benjamin, you're, we're friends. Like come, come at me if I, if I'm not doing this properly, but essentially you can hack the draft pick adjusted uh, over expected thing by saying, you know, Jermaine Johnson's the ninth guy on our board. We're going to trade up to 22 to pick him, and we're going to give up a ton of stuff. And it's like, that's how they reason those things out, right? Mm -hmm. But in reality, like, you know, the the market is the market. In so, reality, he's not the ninth uh, most valuable player. Right. And, and like, your opinion of him being the ninth most valuable player when the entire rest of the league has decided you're on crack cocaine? Yeah. Ain't it. Yeah. I'm by sorry. The, by the way, the team that got the most pick-adjusted uh, draft capital over expected per his model was Carolina, who took Matt Corral. Uh, you know, laid on, which is, uh, I think, a pretty good pick. Green Bay second, Arizona third, interestingly, and then the Kansas City Chiefs, Seahawks, Ravens. Um, Carolina, by the way, not having the stones to take a quarterback early. Like, but, but let's, let's push this back a little bit. I'm going to push back a little bit. So, given, and again, this is, this is inherently circular, but let, let, given the whole league's appetite for the QB position this year, though. Yeah. No, that's that's like fair. like do in hindsight, look they didn't take one at six, and I think that, oh you say not having not having the stones to take one because they didn't have a round two or three pick that's the right. issue yeah so so it was either going to be at six or or when they end up taking them which I, I, you I mean, know look if you feel I guess my the reason I ask I I said that is not to say I don't like the Matt Corral pick because I do, but they are they are refusing I think to accept that there's a chance Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, any mm -hmm. of those guys. Like, if those guys are an average to above average quarterback, they should have taken him at pick six, right? Yeah. And the the problem is, is that you go, yeah, six is too high to take one of those guys, but you're not, you don't get, to your point, you don't get exact change. Now, could they have traded down? That's interesting. And the reason I think it's interesting is because everyone was trying to trade up there left were no and right. Yeah, so there's so many trade-ups. So I'm curious if that was possible. But the other thing there is you're you're almost the same thing I think Washington did with with Carson Wentz. It's like, 
we want we want Sam Darnold to have a chance to own the locker room. It's like, dude, are you what are you doing? You're high. But the the other part, so there were there were, it was an underdog that there was going to be a trade in the first ten picks, and there were none. Right. So the the first trade was at eleven with the Commanders uh, giving you know the Saints Chris Olave's pick. Um, and people in the chat are, are pissed at me. By the way, why the Jets took good players? They did. I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll say this: I, I had a tweet where I took Thibodeau and Walk and, and Sauce Gardner first two picks, and I said, "Look, this is the or Thibodeau and I can't remember. There were two good picks. I got a plus, of course. Um, and I and I said, look, the most the most famous of famous last words, but it's going to be really hard for the Jets to fuck up this draft. And like, I don't think they fucked it up." I don't, I just don't think that they had like the most, I look, and they're going to, but like, that's the point. You're bad. Like you should get good players every draft. That's what it's designed for. You know what I mean? Like, I think the team that I, do you think that I think the giants did just as good as they did? Oh yeah. Evan Neal. I I love the giants draft. Evan Neal and and Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yeah. But like, just because you took players that were, that everyone in the world thought you should take at that point. Yeah, those positions I mean, like that's and I good. guess like we get this from the Jaguars right where the Jaguars take two players who are like not like two players that could not help might not help yeah. them this year well I'll say this about the Panthers at least they took a quarterback like the Giants I think they should have taken a quarterback yeah. the, at, you know given where they took some of those players like Wandell Robinson was a big reach there take a developmental quarterback right you're really worried that taking a developmental quarterback like to me the Giants were in a position to do what the Eagles did a couple of years ago with Wentz, with Wentz. yeah it's an even better one because they weren't they're not like they're Daniel not paying Jones. them already yeah. but they pussied out sorry i said i wouldn't swear and i'm already in there yeah, okay yeah. but it but, is it we're we have done let's get to our our favorite uh picks let's kind of alternate here give okay. me we'll do this and then we're going to do our favorite drafts overall and then some bets that we're going to make i'm going to be okay so obviously you know the seahawks find a way every year and this year they didn't. Um, I'm really. I thought Charles Cross at nine was the best value of the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic tackle. Uh, you know, great pass protector. Seahawks aren't going to be good this year anyway, right? Right. Um, and he fell to them. They took him. I thought he was a great pick. I and and when they didn't go Jermaine Johnson, they didn't do go Trevor Penning. Like they had an all, a lot of opportunities to be really stupid, and they didn't. They were they took a good player. Okay. I am uh, I am torn here because the, some of the picks that I really like are the result of bad process. So I'm going to mention one that I really like that is the result of bad process, and that is the Lions trading up with Minnesota. Loved what Minnesota did moving back. Yeah. Loved the Jameson Williams pick. Now, do not like the process at all. Do not like trading up. Assuming you were at 12 and you take Jameson Williams there, who is wide receiver one, like – I was thinking about this. If you were at pick twelve and you were you wanted a receiver like James Williams, but you managed to not trade up, yeah, you know, like like that would have been really great process because you're sitting there and letting the other teams make those decisions ahead of you. And so I really liked that pick, and I'm actually excited. We're going to talk about offensive rookie of the year here. I'm excited about Detroit. I'm excited about what um, James Williams could do in that offense. Like when he's protected, Jared Goff throws a good deep ball. So I am I am bullish there, but. Let me go to uh, a player who was picked in a position that he was actually slotted um, that I really, really liked. And that is, this is not a homer one, by the way. This is, uh, we talked about this guy, Drake Jackson, being a first rounder. And the Niners being able to get Drake Jackson. Great Ben. At 61. Um, It was short-lived, 
that the Niners did good things in this draft, but we're going to call a spade a spade. I really liked this pick because it's not a need for them. Yeah. But you strengthen a strength, the best player that's available. That defensive line is going to be terrifying. So loved yeah. the Drake Jackson pick. Lighting a day two pick on fire is just the price you pay for having Kyle Shanahan's brilliant brain as your head coach. Yeah, you got to. Uh, it's <laughs> like it's like playing golf. You know, if you're if you're a plus six handicap, you got to give a few yeah. strokes up to uh, the competition. Okay, okay here's another one. Here's another one I liked. Um, I liked Kyle Hamilton at 14 to Baltimore. I know the positional value is an issue. Mm -hmm. um, I also know that, you know, you know they, they could have – I think Jordan Davis was in play here. Like all the markets had like sort of solidified on him being – but then the Eagles moved up for Jordan mm -hmm. Davis, so that sort of sniped them. They get Hamilton. Chuck Clark's still on that team. Uh, they just signed Marcus Williams. Um, you know, I think that they're going to be more of a two-high team. They took Travis Jones later in the draft, which is one that I sort of called – uh, the next day is they want to be sort of more of a, you know, one of those teams that does the um, you know, sort of too high stuff with the the, the fatty up front um, in Michael Pierce and him. Um, I, I like that one a lot. I, I know the positional value is an issue, but you're talking about the player that was either like top five on a lot of people's yeah. like adjusted boards. They did the same thing, by the way, with Linderbaum, where it was just like such a big discrepancy that they took him. Linderbaum ended up I don't think it's a great scheme fit for them, but right. they're also not a team that's not – they're also not a team that's going to shoehorn a player into a bad scheme. They're a, they're a smart – they'll use him smartly, but Hamilton's great. Like, they can go three safeties. Uh, it sort of covers up a little bit of the issue they have with Queen uh, as well because they can play Chuck Clark in the box as the third safety now. So I like that pick a lot. No, I agree with you. And, by the way, Kyle Hamilton is one of the many players in this draft who had a girlfriend that – uh, was a key component of the celebration. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but they have like a secret handshake. It was actually pretty well executed. Okay. And so, of course, I had to go do some research on like, does she seem like she's, you know, a cool girl? And like, what's their relationship like? Does this worry me? I normally am like kind of anti. I've had a girlfriend through college and like, you know, we're coming into the league together. I feel good about this one. Uh, there's it. I, I don't Glad. know why. I don't know why. I just feel I feel good about it. So um, there are some others that I don't feel so good about. Um, I'm not going to mention them here because oh, I'm just going to get okay. absolutely torched into oblivion. Go for but, it. But um, there are some that I, let's just put it this way. You can go watch the first round and you can probably guess which ones I'm not super high on. Uh, next one that I would like to call out. Um, and this, this one is, again, a, a bit of a challenge because um, this team and I have a very uh, – um, shall we say, uh, tumultuous past. But I really like the George Pickens pick um, by the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 52. And again, another situation where you are strengthening a quote-unquote strength here. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you have Chase Claypool, you have, you know, Deontay Johnson. Like, you know, what, what do you need another big receiver for? You, you need more receivers. And <laughs> just especially, especially after you invest in Kenny Pickett at 20, which I think you could make a case for being one of my, was, you know, one of my favorite picks too, because just agnostic of like, let's say we don't know anything about any of the quarterbacks. You waited until 20, you got the first quarterback um, and you got the choice to take whichever one you wanted. But George Pickens, I think there are a lot of reasons off the field why you might be nervous, but at pick 52, you get a player who's on the field production, I think has a really good chance of being a top 
a, a first round pick. And you think about some of the, the receivers that kind of had to be taken way earlier. I think about the Packers going after Christian Watson, like a ton of on the field question marks. He's an amazing athlete. George Pickens, pretty good athlete as well, um, but has produced at the highest level in college. Really like that pick. Yeah, and it's also just keeping other teams from being able to take him. Um, that That's a big one as well. I know uh, Kansas City liked him a lot. Not enough to trade. They did trade back. Right. But, like, this pick was after the Tyquan Thornton pick, right? This mm -hmm. pick was after. I mean, That like, was this, an interesting pick. This is a good, like, I mean, yeah, this is this is what you need to do. Um, I'm going to leapfrog a couple. This is one, again, we get to look at the – we get to look at the souls of the teams that are mm -hmm. drafting. Mm -hmm. And this is just so Buffalo Bills. So much that I, I, I like the James Cook pick. Why they just not because I won money on it, but just because like they they clearly looked at, you know, when we looked at the perfectly blocked run stuff, like yeah. Josh Allen makes more perfectly blocked runs. James Cook, um, like a ten nine yard per carry guy on perfectly blocked runs in college. So he's like different than the Zach Mosses and the um and the uh, Devin Singletary's are tackle breakers, mm -hmm. uh, which is an analytical way to look at running back too. But they're in their certain instance, they need a guy who can capitalize on the holes that they're producing on the offensive line because of Josh Allen. Um, so I like that a lot. But this is the one that I, I again, this is just so Buffalo. Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver from Boise at 148. Um, I know he has the 29-inch arms, and I know that that caused him some issues at Boise State. It's not very long. No. no. But... Buffalo every single year just does this. Marquez Stevenson last year. Uh, then they had they had Gabriel Davis the year before. Who scored four touchdowns against the Chiefs in the AFC division? Yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember yeah, who that was. Because you know how many catches did, did uh, Diggs have in that game? Two? Was it two? I was going to say two. I mean, in the playoffs. Gabriel you, Davis cooked the Chiefs. In the playoffs, when you're facing teams. What, what kind of teams do you face in the playoffs? You face good teams and you face healthy teams, right? Mm -hmm. You face lucky teams and good teams. Part of that luck is having enough secondary players to devote to your best wide receiver. Why have the Packers been a 13-win team three consecutive years and have struggled on offense in the playoffs? Because their offense funneled through one player, right? And so when they played a team like Tampa, when they played a team like the Niners, when they played, it's not like playing the Lions twice a year. It's not like playing the Bears twice a year. You're playing the best of the best. The Buffalo Bills have winning 13 games in this league down pat. What they don't have is winning in the playoffs town, Pat, right? Mm -hmm. Or not. They've won playoff games. They've yep. won three out of the last five. Yeah, but, but getting to the Super but Bowl. But getting to the yep. Super Bowl. And that's the goal for them. Them continuing to build so they have the next man up at wide receiver when inevitably either, you know, Diggs gets hurt or, yep. or Emmanuel Sanders is ineffective. John Brown's ineffective. They just got the next guy up. That was a great pick for Buffalo. Agree with you. Okay. Um, I have uh, one more that I want to do. And this is actually interesting because – the Colts um, with Bernard Ray Ryman hypothesis uh, at 77. Um, I liked that a lot. Now, I liked it a lot, but it was very interesting because the other pick that I really liked was Tennessee. Was it nine picks later at 86 with Malik Willis? Yeah, I had them on my And side, if you're the Colts, okay, I really the Ryman pick, we had him fourth overall at the position, uh, 18th overall on our board. Love that. Strengthening a strength, again, with a valuable position. I'm not going to hate on that. And you've got Ryan now. You're trying to win this year. But it's interesting. We may look back on this and go, the Colts should have just said, look, Malik Willis has dropped to us or Sam Howell has dropped to us. Like, we're taking a shot here. And I think it'll be very interesting to look at this in, in three years because the Malik Willis to Tennessee, say all the things you want about A.J. Brown leaving and all that stuff, that could obviously change their... Um, 
the, the direction of their franchise. Yeah, and it's 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 late enough in the draft where it's like sort of non-threatening to Ryan Tannehill, right? Like like look, Kellen Mond went earlier than right. freaking Malik Willis did last year, and it's like if you're taking a quarterback outside of the first round and it threatens your quarterback, then you need to get rid yeah, of that you quarterback. Need to, you anyways. need to get rid of him. Okay, let's do this um, kind of rapid fire here. Your favorite drafts by team. Okay, I mean. The first one is just the Ravens, right? The mm -hmm. Ravens just are the meme where they stand there and all the other players fall off the cliff, right? They, you know, Hamilton, Linderbaum, not great positional values. But then you go later in the Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely, two tight ends, when, mm -hmm. you know, they can't, they don't have great wide receiver play. So that what do they do? They do what Belichick did in the mid, you know, uh, Gronkowski and, uh, and Hernandez. They do that kind of thing. They, they, they just pick up value everywhere. So I really like that one. I like that one as well. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, and this one is tough for me because I don't like the trade up for Jordan Davis, but I love what the Eagles are doing with a quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Like, yeah. this is the AJ Brown move. They're paying him, a, you know, a little over twenty million a year when you adjust for that rookie deal, and this was, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And you do this move, you make this move when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts there, who, by the way, I think people are shitting all over Jalen Hurts. 85 PFF grade, um, I think for most of the year last year, it fell down a little bit at the end of the year, um, but has thrown the ball better than I think people have expected in the league. And with a guy like AJ Brown, guy like Devontae Smith, um, they have some talent on that team. That you know, and, and Jordan Davis, like, I think one of the real benefits to him is that you are able to, you know, defend the run with less commitment to the run, which you've um, studied and, and done a lot on. So, the, like the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles last year when I was doing, like, kind of the KPI work, they had, like, the least imaginative defense in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Less Least amount of stunts, ran, like, hardly any man coverage, um, didn't disguise their safeties at all. I just think that they, like had a, a significant and legitimate worry about the talent level on the defense and played a vanilla style. And that's why they lost every good team they played and they, they beat every bad team that they played, right? Mm -hmm. they, that's a very, that's a, a well-coached team that got a lot out of that talent because there wasn't a ton of talent. They go Hassan Reddick, Jordan Davis, um, and then they go with A.J. Brown. I like to trade for the Titans though I, because ultimately – um, you know, that team needs more talent and they need more young talent and they, they, pay, they play a – a quarterback who's on a veteran deal, right? And that limits what you can do. It limits what they can do. It's, yeah. it, they're in different situations. I agree with you. I actually like yeah. this trade for I Tennessee. I don't like Traylon Burks that much, but it's whatever. Right. I mean, you have to cares? You have to kind of wipe the player out and yeah. from a process Robert Woods standpoint. is a wonderful player. Uh, Henry, I think we'll see what, how he does. Um, okay. Give me uh, give me another one. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. after, And, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to specify it by after round two. Like, okay. I liked, I, I just, and I, you know, Quay Walker's fine. I mean, actually, Quay Walker's not a great pick. We won a lot of money off it. I don't think it was a great pick. Um, you know, but, and Christian Watson was a trade-up. I thought Quessy Adolfo Mensa did great there. After that, if you look at Benjamin Robinson's, you know, model, like, they got one of the top, you know, up, uh, after, you know, adjusting for everything. Romeo Dubes out of, out of Nevada is a mm -hmm. wonderful wide receiver prospect. And I think uh, should be, uh, they should be lauded for taking him. So, I, I like Green Bay's draft. Okay. Um, I, I referenced this earlier. Um, I love the Steelers draft. 
really liked the Steelers draft. And this is agnostic to how I feel about the quarterback. I would not have taken Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback. But they did not. They resisted the temptation to trade up for him. And they took a quarterback when they needed to take a quarterback. Okay. Now, would I have taken Malik Willis or Sam Howell? Sure. Yep. But I'm going to ignore that I know that much more than the league. And those guys all fell. And, like, that's important. And then what they did from that point on, I thought was really great. Mm -hmm. Right? So they went and they got a lot of values. DeMarvin Leal, I think, is a guy that, you know. Somebody messaged me in the league and was like, how did DeMarvin Leal fall this far? And I, I sort of, it's a good question. He's an athletic freak. There was, I vividly remember, maybe it was actually last year, right after the draft, when Renner um, posted his favorite prospects for the upcoming year. And this was a guy that, you know, was right up there with, with Thibodeau um, in, in terms of how athletic and how good he was as a edge rusher. But the Pickens um, pick at 52, Leal at 84. Um, obviously, we talked about Pickett at, um, at at 20. And then they continued to make some picks that I thought were, were cool. They took Calvin Austin, um, who's going to, I think, actually be pretty good in that offense mm -hmm. if if uh either of the quarterbacks can throw the, the football at all um calvin austin the third out of memphis um who i mean he's not the biggest guy in the world but he's got he's a playmaker and you're not going to ask him to be an, an x in that yeah. in that so I, I really liked what the Steelers did you're welcome pittsburgh yeah all right well this was going to come up i like what the chiefs did oh I mean, I've, so can I, I've been waiting for you to, to talk about the Chiefs. Did you like it from a process perspective? Because they traded up. So, okay. For McDuffie. So here, here's what I'll say. Relative to my expectations of what they were going to do, I was happy. I was very happy. Because, and, and we'll talk about this for a sec. So, like in Minnesota, right? Mm -hmm. Wesley Adolfo I thought, wheeled and welled and dealt well. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the trade back, the trade back with Green Bay, mm -hmm. they trade it back in for it. But every single player they took was like 50 to 100 picks worse than the consensus big board. And I don't know if it's Ryan Grigson telling Questy. I mean, like he has a, he has a tough gig because he comes in in yeah. January and all the scouts are from the previous. So you're, you're, bet, you're making bets with other people's cards, mm -hmm. right? That's a tough place to be in. So I'm going to give a guy a little bit of slack. But ultimately, like he did the analytics part. And then forgot the other part, which was, which is what the Ravens do, which is, you know, let the board fall to you and then take the better plus players on the board, right? Because you don't know better than the market. You just don't. Right. And that, and that's like, that was, so to come back to Kansas city, Brett Veach has never traded down in his career, right? Mm -hmm. Until Saturday or Friday. And, you know, his trade up for McDuffie, you know, reportedly that was the last first round pick they had on their board. I mean, yeah. again, I don't, I like the pick. He, he, you know, his draft, pick, that, his draft pick position. Isn't that just like bad process though? It, to I, a certain I, I don't, yes, you're right. But, but look, McDuffie was picked 16 and a half in, in the betting market. He mm -hmm. got him at 21. Karloftis was picked 22 and a half. They get him uh, at 30. Um, and then, and then James Cook was a, or uh, Cook was a great pick at, at safety. Uh, Sky Moore, and that was the trade back. So they traded yeah. back with New England. And Tyquan Thornton to New England, they got Sky Moore, a 22nd best player. And so, like, look, I everything's true. Like Brett Veach, you know, Brett Veach is a trade-up guy. He's an aggressive guy. He held his water for the vast majority of that draft. He traded mm -hmm. up twice, and you know, only really once did he give up a lot. 
and he had 12 picks. Yeah. So I, relative to my expectations of what, what was going to happen, the Chiefs had a fantastic draft. Every single person, you know, the Kennard guy was a fifth rounder we had in the yeah. third round. He might start this year, a la Trey Smith. This was a draft where they needed to crush it out of the park, and I don't know if they were using our big board or whatever, but every single pick they had was one of our – like one, what we would have done at the time. And yeah. so as such, as a company man, but also a Chiefs fan, it made me very happy. I'm happy for you. Yeah. I'm not really that happy for no, you. I, I, because, I notice because how you I, don't deserve it. But um, notice how I this was the I left it all yeah, the way to last. You did. I, I, I constrained you did. myself. I, if you're a Chiefs fan, you've got to be extremely happy given that they traded up. You know, in those situations, what they came out of there yeah. with, I think those are incredibly but, positive. And you look at a team. So I loved Detroit's draft. Mm -hmm. They sat there at number two. They got the number one player on our board, Nate Hutchinson. They, at pick 12, took the best receiver in the draft in Jameson Williams. Now, sitting at 30, was it 34, the pick that they traded? Oh, 32? 32. Yeah. Yep. So if they sat at 32, there were receivers that would still have been there. You know, George Pickens, uh, Sky Moore, you know, they could have grabbed one of those guys. So I'm a little on the fence with them, but I really, they then went and got Pascal. Uh, a pass rusher out of Kentucky, a lot of good things for the the Lions. Um, I'll give you though they're not they're not my team here. The team that I really liked, I really liked what the Tennessee Titans did. Mm -hmm. um, getting uh, the the value there at eighteen um, with with Traylon Burks, then Roger McCreary who was incredibly productive at Auburn. Um, they took a tackle who I wasn't a huge fan of at sixty nine, but the Malik Willis pick at eighty six. We talked about we talked about this with the Commanders as well. No, if that pick is if he's an above average quarterback then this was an incredible draft for you so um really liked what the titans did yeah and, and the thing with the titans is you know ultimately it's all about expectations right like they're still the underdog to win the afc south the last year they were the one seed in the whole in the whole conference yep um but they're they're sort of much like with kansas city there needed to be some sort of competitive rebuilding of the roster uh and they accomplished that a little bit this brings me to bet's because you talk about Detroit. Yeah. You're not you don't want to tell me what your least favorite draft was. Oh, my least favorite draft. I, New England has to be it, right? And what and the, I know like that 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 it's too know, easy. Cole Strange is going to be Logan honest, Bankins, I guess. It's like, honestly too easy. Yeah. It's too easy for it to be the Patriots. But they haven't drafted well in forever. So this whole idea of like, oh, you know, this whole idea of like, oh, you need to trust Belichick. Like Belichick Wait, hasn't drafted well in years. That poor I mean, Tyquan Thornton. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, Mac Jones is a great pick. But other than that, what have they really done lately? Yeah. I, you're asking me. I mean, the only one, other one that I was going to throw out there was the Cardinals. What a nightmare that is. Dude. Trading pick number 23 for Hollywood Brown, who had, what, more drops than touchdowns last year. And I actually like Hollywood Brown. But, like, what are you doing there? Um that made zero sense to me. And I'm assuming they did that because Kyler Murray told them he wanted them, which is an even bigger disaster. Well, especially <laughs> if they're not going to actually be able to get Mur Murray to sign a reasonable deal with them, right? Like, that's a big... I mean, it. yeah, I would have made him sign before I would have pulled that trigger. That's for sure. Yeah, um, yeah and I mean, I don't know that I, mean, I can throw the Jets in there, but I... You 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 did what you should have done with those first two picks, and then I think everything else was kind of. And I need to do that. I mean, we we are. I, I'm 
I want Questia Dofamensa to do well. I think he's smart. I think there's yeah, a the trade back was there's great. a great deal of you know, I think a lot of but you know, you just look at your first four picks, right? You trade out, you get a safety. Okay, that's cool. But you had a safety that was actually fairly useful for you last year in Cam Bynum next to Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, you've pushed his contract back in large part because you decided to sign mm -hmm. the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So so Harrison Smith is on this team into year like 34, 35 for you. So Scene and him are next to each other. Like yep. you've drafted a ton of help at the safety position for a year. Not a ton, but some. And you're going to forego that for this first, first pick. The second pick is Andrew Booth, who they traded up for. A guy who said, quote, I've ne I was never healthy in college. You know, back issues, all that kind of stuff. Great. Like had decent tape. But like ultimately you're, make, you're trading up for a guy who's, who's an injury risk. Second round, your, their second second round pick was Ed Ingram, a guard who missed an entire season at LSU because he was credibly accused of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old. Not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, 59, uh, like that, in addition to drafting a guard at 59, when your, team's, when your team still, let's be honest, sucks. Yeah. Like that's not great. And then third round pick, Brian Asamoah, who's a, a good linebacker. Don't get me wrong. Very mm. athletic, very, like is a good off-ball linebacker. You drafted, and now, now he didn't do this, but on your team, you have Jordan Hicks, who you just signed to a free mm -hmm. agency deal. You have Eric Kendricks, who is on a five-year, $50 million deal. You ha you just drafted Troy Dye. You just drafted Sage Surratt. Um, and so, like, your team now has either a bunch of off-ball linebackers you're going to get rid of that you've spent capital on, or you're going to keep a ton of off-ball linebackers when you're drafting, and they drafted corners, you know, yep. we like that. But your your drafting suggests that you need defensive backs. I agree. I, I just I, I I like the wheeling dealing. I don't get any of the picks. I I don't get any of the picks. All right, bets. It's time to make some bets here, baby. It's uh it's May, so the season is fast approaching. Um, we're gonna talk through bets that we'd make, and then close out with offensive and defensive rookie of the year bets. Um, so give me the first one that you want to place based on what we saw. Okay. These are these, th these two are correlated with each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Detroit 12 to one to win the NFC North and Minnesota Vikings under nine wins. If uh, the Vikings true number should be eight and a half. If you give me nine, I will take it every single day. But here's the thing with Detroit. Would you rather bet Detroit over win total? Cause like to yeah. win the NFC. Yeah. But, but like. 12 to 1 is giving me remarkable payoff when all that really needs to happen is like well not all but like Aaron Rodgers just needs to either regress or get hurt and this is this is a really good bet. Yeah. But and we don't want that to happen but I'm just saying like these things do happen and we, he, we shouldn't He's gotten hurt multiple times. We shouldn't before. underestimate their likelihood. Um look, think about Detroit's offense for a sec, okay? You have DJ Chark, you have Aramon St. Brown, you have Jamison Williams. You have tight end TJ Hawkinson. Mm -hmm. Running back DeAndre Swift, whatever. But he's still a good player. Offensive line, you have Taylor Decker, Panay Sewell, Frank Ragnow. Yeah. A pretty freaking good offense. And Jared Goff, who isn't great, but is fine, right? On defense, you have Amani Aruwarie, who had six interceptions last year. You have Jeff Okuda, who like was starting to turn the corner a little bit before he got hurt. Like could come back and be fine. Mm -hmm. You have Aiden Hutchinson rushing the passer and Ali McNeil uh, on the interior. That is not a bad football team. That's a, that football team is prop like that football team is being lined to have three fewer wins than the Vikings. And I think the Vikings will be lucky to, to split with them this year. So those are the two bets that I like the most out of this week. 
I, I love both of those. Um, I'm all on board with both of them. I, here's one that um, I love coming out of this week. Uh, Baltimore Ravens plus 225 to win the AFC North. It's yeah, still. Um, they got they got better as a team. <laughs> like, there's just no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's even they took a job who's not going to play this year. But um, they really found a way with with what they did to make to bring some impact players into their organization. Yeah. And you look at the other. I mean, I thought the Bengals had a fine draft. I've talked about the Steelers there. The tough thing with the Steelers at eight to one, and I don't hate that bet either. Is the tough thing is there? There's so much unknown with the quarterback, yeah. and so um, we can like are, what the Steelers did and still say they'll be pitiful this year, which I think they will be. Yes and no, though. Like I again, they're going to upgrade at, at quarterback. I think regardless of who plays here. So yeah, I, I actually you know I'm now talking myself into Steelers eight to one, but that that's another one that I like. Las Vegas Raiders under eight and a half wins. <laughs> I knew this was like, coming. This is just, and I know. Okay, now you can say it. this is the first time we've been negative, actually negative about the Raiders for a long time. We were positive on them last year. The Chiefs are going to be great again. I mm. think. Like, mm. look if you if your impression of the Chiefs was this team was buoyed by Patrick Mahomes and Brett Veach is an idiot, you have to take a little bit of a step back this this off season and say. I have to reevaluate that. Mm-hmm. And I've been critic I've never thought Beach is an idiot, but I've been critical of him, the Frank Clark trade, mm-hmm. the Breland Speaks draft pick, you know, a bunch of stuff. They very clearly have decided the courses for them to build like the Patriots and they the year one is I, I think phenomenal so far. The Chargers are gonna be good, the Broncos are gonna be good, the Raiders are gonna suck. There you go. My under eight and a half. Um I, I like both of those. Uh I like that you wrote this one down in our notes, and I think we should talk about it because it's Kansas City plus 550 to win the AFC. And I, I think this is the right <laughs> I think this is the right take. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I mean, I they should be the favorite, I think. I, I'm so the only issue is the Chiefs have the hardest schedule in the NFL. So like and I think some of that is associated with maybe a little bit higher priors on, on the Raiders than we should have. I also think, like, I don't know which of the Broncos and the Chargers are going to be the team that disappoints, but I think at least one of them will. Like, I don't know which one, but, like, statistically speaking, I'm going to be all over plus price things on the Chiefs this year. I'm actually not going to be over 10.5 on them. Like, I do think that there's a chance that the acclimation is tougher, that – you know, and we saw it a little bit this year. I mean, they lost five games. They lost to the Bengals. They lost to every good team they played last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not every good team, but they lost to the AFC North champion. They lost to the AFC South champion. They lost to uh, the Chargers, and they lost to the Ravens, and they lost um, – who's the the um, AFC East champion? They lost to the Bills at, at home. In the, so they lost to every, like, good team in the AFC last year. And so – can they not do that? The year before, they had five wins on the road against teams that won 10 games or more, right? So it's, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like if Patrick Mahomes and company get into the basin of teams, like if they're conditional on being good enough to get to the divisional round of the AFC playoffs, I, they're the best bet out there. It's just that I do think that there's going to be some acclimation to you know playing a lot of young players, no Tyreek Hill, all that stuff. So I'm not going to go like any bet that's like minus 110, like, over 10 and a half wins, 
But a bet like plus 550, okay, I'll do that because it's, you know, it, it's giving me good payout for something that I think is pretty fat tail, which is their outcome this year. Yeah, um, I have one, uh, one more here. Philadelphia Eagles are plus 275 to win the NFCs. Oh. Feed me. Yeah, it's a good meal there. Oh, show. Um, the I, Eagles The Eagles just, I mean, they're, they're in a great spot to find out if Jalen Hurts is any good. And if Jalen Hurts is any good, great. If he's not, or if he's like Baker Mayfield-like, you move on. I think that they're, they're very much, this is like the next wave. I think they're woke to this idea of like, look how ugly it can get if you're Cleveland, right? That, that, that divorce was not great. With, mm-hmm. with Mayfield or has, I mean, they're still married, um, but that divorce has not been great. You got to prepare for that. Right. And you got to, you got to be honest with the quarterback that you're, you're going into it with. Right. I don't think, I think the issue with maybe with the Browns is they didn't extend Baker, which I thought was sharp, but they probably also didn't tell him like, look, you still have to, you, I mean, I know you had a great game in the playoffs. I know you got us to 11 wins, but you still got to prove yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and tell him why. I think Jalen Hurts knows full well that he's a limited quarterback that's got to improve for him to be the franchise quarterback in Philadelphia. And it, to, kudos to the Eagles for putting players around him to give him the best chance to prove himself. Agree. Okay, you want to do some uh, rookie of the year? Okay. Close this out. Okay, so let's start with uh, – let's do defense first. Defensive rookie of the year. These are on DraftKings Sportsbook. Aiden Hutchinson, 4-1. to one. Kayvon Thibodeau, plus 450. Trayvon Walker, who we ironically did not talk about in this entire podcast, which I think tells everything you need to know, plus 550. Jermaine Johnson, plus 750. Devin Lloyd, also plus 750, along with Quay Walker. Stingley and Ahmad Gardner, 9 to 1. Kyle Hamilton, 10 to 1. Jordan Davis, 14 to 1. Trent McDuffie, Nicobe Dean, uh, 16 to 1. Kair Elam, George Karloftis, 18 to 1. Devontae Wyatt, Andrew Booth Jr., 20 to 1. Drake Jackson, 30 to 1. Daxon Hill, Roger McCreary, Louis Cine, Kyler Gordon, Boye, uh, sorry, all 30 to 1. Boye Mafe, Arnold Ebikite, uh, 35 to 1. And this is where I will stop reading them off. What do you like? Hmm. Uh, I, you could not, you could not pay me. To free roll Trevon Walker at eleven to two, or Jermaine Johnson nope. at nope. Uh, fifteen to two. Nope. Um, Hutchinson's a good one. I think Detroit's going to be um, better than people believe. Right? Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Gi- the Giants could be, but I think Detroit, Detroit, Thibodeau and Hutchinson are rightfully the favorites, in my yep. opinion. I agree. And it's hard for hard for corners. It's not. It is, and like you need a lot of interceptions. I, here's the team that I think maybe be able, might be able to facilitate that. I'm going to go Kahir Elam, eighteen to one for Buffalo. I like it. Um, you got Von Miller there. You got a great defensive line. You got good linebackers, and you got a great defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. If he gets five interceptions, you know, and that team's going to be ahead a lot too. I can't believe that you inter- didn't identify the two best bets on this board. Okay. Okay. They're both pass rushers and they're both long odds and they're both on teams that are going to be good with other pass rushers on that D line. They're so you're talking about Drake them. Jackson, 30 Drake to Jackson, one. 30 to one, George Karloftis, 18 to one. Those are absolute sense. You're yeah, welcome. The, I think, okay. I think the issue with Karloftis specifically is just like the chiefs defense, the, the spags defense just doesn't elicit exact numbers for guys, mm-hmm. but I can be convinced I can I can buy into that hype. Thank you. Um, 
Yeah, that's. A, that, I mean, that's a good point. I, I just think you know, in a situation, you want to look for players that are, have longer odds that are going to be in the limelight and play on good teams. Yeah. Um, and I think those are those are two of them. Okay, offensive rookie of the year, the favorite. Interestingly, I'm a little surprised by this. Is Drake London like eleven to two plus five fifty? Kenny Pickett six to one, Traylon Burks, Brees Hall seven to one, Garrett Wilson plus eight fifty, Kenneth Walker nine to one, Jameson Williams, Christian Watson, Chris Olave ten to one, Sky Moore twelve to one, Malik Willis fourteen to one, Matt Corral. James Cook, Desmond Ritter, 15 to 1, Jahan Dotson, 18 to 1, Sam Howell, 20 to 1, Isaiah Spiller, George Pickens, 25 to 1. Uh, and that is where I will stop reading them. What do you like here? Oh, this one's easy. James Cook, 15 yes. to 1. <laughs> I'm with you. Like, <laughs> that one is too easy. I am 100%. Like, this is going to be one of those that. where Buffalo is like, oh, they're returning to the roots. It's, thir- it's the best running back in Buffalo since Thurman Thomas. He also can catch out of the back. Yeah, he's also, I mean, he's got he's to earn the starting job there. That's tricky, but you're getting better odds with him than like Sky Moore, who I like. You know, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of these wide receivers, but like running backs win this award a lot. Yep. Um, and there'll be a team that is in the limelight. Um, he will have an opportunity to not be focused on by any defense. He could put up big numbers. And there's no running back there that, like, matters. So, yeah. The, the other one that I will throw out here um, that I think is just at least worth a consideration um, is Malik Willis' 14-1. to 1. Mm-hmm. Now, that team is not particularly good. Ryan Tannehill didn't look great at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. They've clearly already pivoted to the future. Yes. There is a chance that it does not look good for Ryan Tannehill in the first few games. Malik Willis comes in in a weak division. And just because of his athleticism, is a huge boost there. Traylon Burke starts to figure it out a little bit. That is one. That's the other one that I would bet. Okay, I like um, that. I, wait, let me throw one more. George Pickett's twenty-five to one. Okay, that one. That one's going to require the Steelers to be good, yes. but but you never know. But you could do happen. never know. Could happen. How are your bets doing? Poor. I mean, look, this game, this Michigan Pittsburgh game. I can tell your your uh, your. Uh, my ner- my nervous ticks have, have have emerged. They, um, they have the this game. So I have under thirty-nine and a half. It was 16 nothing after the first quarter. There has not been another point scored in this game. So the under is, is looking okay. I'm actually currently looking at, like, imagine the kind of degenerate you have to be to bet live on this league. I can imagine. Um, but um, I've been looking at the live lines. I've not fired any live in a while. Um, may God be with you. May God, God, may God be, yeah. Look And with, and, and with your spirit. Yeah, with your spirit. Um, Thank th- you. Philadelphia minus three tonight. Minus two and a half, I think, is a good bet. But, I, but look, I, famous last words for me have, been been pretty bad lately (laughs) where there is a will there is a quay good luck to you my man uh thank you everybody for hanging out with us we appreciate all of you for uh joining us on a sunday um we'll be back with you as we are normally on wednesday evenings wednesdays and sundays we'll be with you throughout the off season as we get ready for the regular season we want to know how we can make this regular season podcast even better so there's a link in the description little survey takes you like five minutes if that Um, We'd love to hear from you guys, especially if you're a new listener. Um, What is it that you're looking for uh, in a podcast? Um, Something like, you know, around betting. Obviously, we're not going to talk about like pop culture. TMZ is probably not where Eric and I are best suited. But let us know what you uh, what you want to see from us in that survey. And we'll do our best to make it happen this coming year. 
Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. We love you. Peace.